Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's one of the most dangerous traffic situations known. I'm calling about a car driving down the wrong way on the highway. Someone intoxicated behind the wheel going the wrong way. He's, it looks like he's already hit somebody or, or there's been an accident. With fatal results. There's a really bad wreck on, uh, I think it was, I'm not sure it was a hit and run or where the other vehicle is. These crashes uh, are normally head on. But the scenes are horrific when we go to them. Parents tell us about the devastation. My heart was just literally broken into pieces. A wrong way driver tells us what happened. Probably my top leading mistake just because of what the consequences could have been. We tell you who is working on the problem. If that car knows it's going the wrong way, is there a way we can turn that car off? And we tell you how to survive. I'd take a glancing blow compared to a head-on blow. I'm Susie Solis. This is KRLD In-Depth. Wrong way driving. No traffic accident is a good accident. But when it comes to wrong way driving, the results are usually head on and without question, brutal. KRLD's LP Phillips has been looking into the entire issue from the causes to the results to what you can do to protect yourself and your children. Yeah, there are a number of reasons why wrong-way accidents are so frightening. First, there's the speed. I mean, if a car is coming at you, you literally have half the reaction time than if there's something stationary in the road. There's the vicious impact, as you say. Those are usually head-on. And then there's that tough, often helpless efforts by police to stop the driver. I mean, they can, but a number of things have to go very right. We'll get into all of that. Yeah, and I've noticed, especially doing mornings, We've seen a lot of these wrong-way crashes happening. It seems like more and more are happening. Yeah, in Dallas, Tarrant, and Collin counties, just last year, 2019, there were more than 100. So do we know why? Is there any particular reason why Mm, this is happening more often? Really, no, not at least why there are so many lately. I mean, if you talk to the experts, like Lieutenant Lonnie Haschel, the Texas Department of Public Safety, the why is a no-brainer. The big common denominator in the majority of these crashes is alcohol-impaired drivers. So we need to start back with don't drink and drive. It's an, it's an age-old message. But they do, and to a degree, I think everyone who gets behind the wheel, whether it's alcohol or drugs. And all over-the-counter medications. Yeah, or over-the-counter medications, it doesn't matter. They think they're going to get home or wherever they're going without a problem. And this is where we deal with the consequence. Not all wrong-way drivers get in accidents, but when they do, like you said, they're usually head-on, and they're often heartbreaking and just plain maddening. I mean, what you are about to hear happened in Fort Worth two days before Christmas a few years ago, and it happened to an ordinary family. That morning, we kind of just went on as a daily day. Um, So we were waiting for her father to arrive from work. You know, we tried to get her to go with us to Corpus because that was our intent. It was December 23rd, 2014. Donna Davila was in her Grand Prairie home talking to her 18-year-old daughter, Sabrina Fernandez. Sabrina was six months pregnant. Donna was trying to convince her daughter to make the holiday trip to Corpus with the rest of her family the next day. She was like, no, Mom, I want to go. to, I want to stay here. You know, this is our first holiday with his family, so I would like to spend it with them. And I was like, okay, well, since we still have our whole life ahead of us with you and our grandbaby, go ahead, share the holidays with them. You know, we were okay with it. 
And as time fast forward to, you know, my husband arriving from work, you know, we eventually drive her to Weatherford. And so we drop her off and, um, you know, we're unloading her luggage and everything. And then we say our goodbyes, you know, all right, Sabrina, you be careful. And, you know, uh, we'll stay in touch and we'll give you a call in the morning, you know, before us leaving uh, to Corpus. And she's like, okay, mom. She goes, um... She comes to my right cheek, gives me a kiss, and gives me a hug, and we say goodbye, and we'll see you later. Came around and hugged her dad, and that was it. It would be the last kiss. Four hours later, Sabrina and her boyfriend were visiting others. It was overcast but dry, 44 degrees, not freezing. They were on I-30 going west outside of Fort Worth. Seven miles ahead, 22-year-old Samantha Nicole Good was about to begin a disastrous trip. It was the last mistake she would ever make. A police operator in 497, what's the address you're calling about? Hi, I just was headed on 35 North and got on I-30 West in Fort Worth. One of the first exit ramps, the car just came up it, uh, headed east on 30 West. Caller after caller tried to warn police. Um, I'm calling about a car driving down the wrong way on the highway. There's a uh, wrong way driver uh, on the westbound side on 30. What more police would you address you're calling about? Hey, there's a car going uh, eastbound on the westbound lane to I-30. Drivers dodged the best they could, even if it meant driving themselves into the wall. Hi, we are on Highway 30 at the Henderson exit, and um, it looks like there's a little wreck and then a car going completely the opposite direction. So many called, police were overwhelmed. I'm not in an emergency, but I want to report a car going down the highway a long way. We have a call. You have it? Yes. What's the location of your call? Uh, uh, 30 Westbound. Are you talking about the runway driver? Yeah. We have it, thank you. Oh my God. He, he don't even have headlights on, so you wouldn't even... Unbelievable. He's going to kill somebody. Seconds later, she did. Police them on the three. Uh, yeah, there's a really bad wreck on, uh, I think it was, I'm not sure it was a hit and run or where the other vehicle is, but it's, uh, 30, uh, going eastbound, right, or going westbound right before beach. The car in front of Sabrina Fernandez got out of the way. Sabrina did not. Back at her home in Grand Prairie, Donna Davila got that sickening late night phone call that only comes when there is bad news. And, uh, they were like, wake up, wake up. You know, the girl, the kids have been in an accident. And, well, of course, I literally jumped out of bed, but my concern of, you know, our daughter and being the fact that she's six months pregnant, of course, you know, I was concerned for both of them. But that's all we knew at that moment. At that moment, all we knew was just an accident. We didn't know how significant, how bad were the injuries or what had occurred at that moment. You went where? To John Peter Smith Hospital in Fort Worth. What happened when you got there? I went up to the triage nurses that were two in the front of the desk. And I asked them that uh, we had received a call and that um, our daughter, Sabrina Fernandez, had been in an accident. If, you know, we needed to know. And they looked it up on the computer. Then that's when, at that point, they said, okay, follow me. They led us to the conference room, those two small rooms. You told me you didn't want to go in that room. No. Why? In those rooms, they give, I've been in those rooms before. And they give not good news in those rooms. Either your loved ones have passed or there's some sort of bad news that they give you in these conference rooms. That's why I didn't want to go in there. So you're standing outside. I'm standing in the hallway. And your husband says what? He said he sees that I don't want to go in there. He goes, come on, let's just hear what they have to say to us. I didn't want to go in there. And I went in. And uh, we're pacing. 
we're pacing and it looked it felt like forever we're waiting forever but then of course that's your child that i mean you know your granddaughter of course time's going to be like what is taking so long might have not been but just the fact that the and you know the anxiety the you know what was happening was just like overtaking us you know and um finally they they make their way in it was three it was a female doctor and a male nurse and a female nurse and they came in and I just knew in my heart I could just tell by the look on her faces it was not good news and I remember just asking what happened where is our daughter and then all she said was I'm sorry that's all she had to say to me before my knees buckled and I literally almost lost it if it wasn't for my husband and the nurse to catch me the male nurse to catch me to prevent me from falling actually to the ground because I mean it's devastating news who wants to hear that you just lost your daughter and then I finally after I try to compose myself for a few minutes I asked where is my granddaughter where is she at and they're like Miss Davila they're like we tried to do everything we could and it was a repeat of the way I acted the first time when I heard my daughter had just passed I said this can't be happening not before Christmas, not before the Christmas holidays. Wow, that's devastating. In a split second, she lost her daughter and her granddaughter. They literally went from planning a Christmas celebration to planning a funeral for her daughter and granddaughter. And she says it's put her in, she called it this, some very dark places. Those included suicidal thoughts, just searching for answers. So this Samantha Good, who Mm -hmm. was driving the wrong way. She was also killed, by the way. She was on meth and a painkiller. A few minutes ago, I said people like her don't think that they're going to get into an accident. You actually tracked down a woman mm-hmm. who was arrested for drunk driving right. and going the wrong way. Right. We used court records to find her, and she only talked to me if I wouldn't give her name. She's pleaded guilty to drunk driving. She has some insights. First, she was not on an interstate. Get that clear. She was on a North Texas City street going the wrong way. It was a one-way street. Second, she did not get into an accident. She was stopped before anything happened. I was out just having a good time, had met up with a friend, and it was time to leave, and I was using my GPS. And it told me to turn one way, but I was paying mostly attention to that. And I guess I turned too soon, which was on a um, one-way street. So when I turned on the one-way street, the officer just happened to be sitting there. Um, And so it only took within probably 30 seconds to get pulled over. And from there, um, he asked if I'd been drinking. I told him yes, and we proceeded from there. And um, a DWI charge ensued. You were looking at your GPS, but it was nighttime. And one-way streets can be confusing. One-way streets can be confusing, and in this area, I don't know why, but I guess because there's so many, they're especially confusing. Um, I think they're even more confusing when it's night and there's no one on the streets and you can't see a very obvious line of direction with the other cars. Um, So at this time, it was, again, around the square. It's just one big loop, and I happened to go the wrong way, um, starting from one side. So it was most definitely incredibly confusing that night, and it's confusing, like I said, on any day. You mentioned you had been drinking. I had, yeah. Did that play any role at all? Could it have? Sure. Could have, yeah. I don't think that it played a significant role. I don't think it probably played as much as a role as one might expect. Um, but it played a, It could have played a role. Do you have sleepless nights that you could have heard some? You didn't. I mean, you said there was a cop that happened to be right there, saw the whole thing? I, I have, used to have sleepless nights about it. I had probably a year of sleepless nights about it. Um, probably my top leading mistake just because of what the consequences could have been not just in relation to a fatality accident or an injury or something of that category but there's there was a multitude of consequences that could have happened and impacts that I luckily avoided but um, 
that I'm aware now of how close that we all are just to making a a very fatal, a potentially fatal mistake. So in her case, there was a cop right there, which is good. But in that first case, Sabrina Fernandez, they were trying to get a cop to a person driving at what, 70 miles an hour? Police like Lieutenant Hashel say it's an almost helpless feeling. There's very little they can do. Wrong way drivers are literally a matter of speed and seconds. We encourage folks on the driving portion to either stay in the center or the right lane that you had to talk about seconds. That can add a little bit more because you're not directly in the path of the vehicle. So if you have to take evasive action, you can go to the right. You can even go head to the grass. Uh, if you do see a wrong way driver, we encourage folks immediately get get there, get out of the danger zone, and then immediately get on the phone and call 911. You don't have a lot of time. I mean, if you got a mile, is uh, if you're going the correct way, uh, 60 seconds. You're going to be from point A to point B. If you've got two cars coming at you, I guess it's 30 seconds you've got to react. If you've got a hill they're coming over and you're going 70 and they're going 70, you're literally talking three, seven, ten seconds. You've got split seconds to, to make, take some type of action, whatever that is. So that's why it is imperative that everybody gets rid of distractions. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't be messing with radio. You really need to focus on what's going on because those few seconds may be able to help you. To give you an idea, remember that first caller from Sabrina Fernandez's accident? Okay, one moment. So you're northbound on 35? Just I downtown? was northbound on 35, uh-huh. and then I got on 30 west, and not even 15, 10 seconds on being on 30 west. We timed that. The operator was trying to get vital information. The caller was doing his best to give it. It still took more than two and a half minutes, or put another way, Five miles of ground was covered between the wrong way driver and the victim before police ever got off the phone. Even at that, Lonnie Haschel says there are very few options for police. What can you do? Spikes, maybe, but they don't. You, you can't go the wrong way. We, we don't want to go the wrong way because then we are putting others at risk as well. So what you'll see them do is they'll try to parallel that driver on the other side, which you probably have seen in the videos. Everybody's seen that. And the officers will use uh, their spotlights. Uh, They will use their emergency lights. They'll use the siren. They'll use the horn, something to get the other person's attention. And meanwhile, the other officers, if we're lucky enough to be in in Metroplex like here, we can call other cities and have them start shutting down ramps to get people or shut down the interstate itself or the, the roadway. So if there's a driver careening down the road and police can't get there, what are you supposed to do? If you're facing the wrong way driver, what can you do at that point? Now, there are some steps. First, realize the times that wrong way drivers are most likely to be out. Lieutenant Haschel says nights and weekends are the most likely times that wrong way drivers are on the roads. And you heard him. If you drive in the right or the center lane, you at least have a chance of getting out of the way. That's what police are talking Right. Past that, and this could be life-saving information, I talked with a professional driving trainer named Mike McGovern. He's with the nationally renowned Bondurant High Performance Driving School. They're out of the Phoenix area. That school's been around for more than 50 years. He's been with them for the last 35 years, and he's instructed everything from 16-year-olds to wannabe race car drivers to powerful, rich, and famous people who may need to get away from a kidnapper or an attacker. When you look at the basics that we share with with those different programs, they're basically all the same. Probably the biggest thing is the, the, the mental part, focus, paying attention to what's going on. And then from there, it's, uh, it's visual skills, having really good visual skills. And that's, that's what makes a huge difference between, you know, someone that's okay driver and someone that's really good driver. They know how to use their eyes to manage the car. Accident avoidance, that is something that is probably at the heart of your school. 
Yeah, it's definitely part of uh, the, you know, part of the, the foundation. It's part of the curriculum in almost all the classes that we have. You know, the, the big part of that is, one, paying attention to what's going on. You know, be a good driver, park the phone, drive the car, um, be a part of what's happening, and then look further down the road, you know, see what's coming up, look, you know, for any potential issues that might come up. But at the same time, when, when something goes wrong, we're better off driving around the situation than stopping and, you know, or excuse me, getting on the brakes and hope we stop before we get there. You know, the car turns way better than it stops. And most people rely on the brake to get them out of trouble. And I'm not saying don't ever use the brake, but always look for the way out. Position yourself so you always have an escape route. Wrong way drivers. I did an interview with a DPS trooper here in Texas who said center lane, right lane are the best to be in if you're just out driving around that night. Uh, Is this more or less in line with what you found? You know, he's he's thinking along the same lines that I am, you know, put put myself in a position where I have a way out. You know, there's an escape. But the other thing that I would share with people is, you know, a big part of our basic training is visual vision and having good visual skills. And most people don't look far enough ahead. And the practice that I've gotten myself into is, you know, what's happening five seconds from now? What's happening 10, 15 seconds from now? When you look further ahead you're going to you're going to gather more information to help you be a better driver. So that could be something that that could help you determine that hey, here's something that's going on. That person's in the wrong place at the wrong time. I need to find a way out. I need to put myself in a safe position. Well, he suggested also that a, somebody who's maybe intoxicated, confused, on medication, whatever. If they're going the wrong way, they're going to likely think they're in the right lane, which puts them in your left lane. Is that key to this center lane, right lane thing? Yeah, it could be. You know, it could be putting, your, again, yourself in a position that, you know, you have, you can either go left or right, whichever way you need to go. The The thing that could work against you in that situation is that the the wrong way driver becomes target fixated on you. And once once somebody becomes target fixated, you know, you can't run fast enough to get out of the way. And uh, that's that's where a lot of people get themselves into trouble. They they look at the parked car, or they look at the tree, and they end up driving into the tree. So, you know, it's it's tough to say what is the right thing to do. I'm going to guess that not only is the driver coming at you in the wrong way, target fixated, but you're telling people through looking to where to go, through being ready to go off the road, through everything else, don't put yourself in that position. You should be the one looking for an out. Right. Absolutely. And that's... That's something that that takes training, and and also it's it's one of those things that you know a professional like myself bringing out into the front side of the training. Hey, look, you're target fixating here. You need to be looking further down the road. If you look at it, you're going to go for it. You're going to drive into it. So, you know, it could be it, it's it's um, the visual skills are super super critical to being successful. But if we're looking at what we don't want to hit, we're going to drive into it. So, you know, if I'm, let's say, the the person going in the right direction and the other person's go, going in the wrong direction. We're both looking at each other. Well, I don't think there's there's no way out at that point. The people that are going to be listening to this are listening because they want to learn, what can I do about this? And you said it takes a lot of training. If that happens to me tonight, how trained am I and how, when should I start looking? You start right away. You know, I, I tell people all the time, hey, from 
from the moment you leave here, from the moment you leave the facility, I really want you to think about where are you looking when you're driving the car? How far are you looking? I mean, of course, we can't always stay 15 seconds ahead of the car, but 5, 10, 15 seconds from now, when you bring that to somebody's attention, then they really start working on that skill set. And it takes, it, takes co- it takes concentration, it takes focus to be, to be good at it. But you're leading the car with your eyes. So that's, that's where it all starts. And then once you start looking for the path that you want the car to take, you know, your eyes tell your hands and feet what to do. Your hands and feet tell the car what to do. You know, really the car is just an extension of the driver behind the wheel. So it's something that you should constantly practice, think about. We're not talking a lot of time here when you've got a car that you're even a mile apart. You've got less than 30 seconds to figure this out. Yeah, time is definitely, you know, might be against you at that point. And it's hard to say what is the exact answer to this problem. But uh, the more we're paying attention, the further we're looking down the road, at least hopefully we have some options that we could use to to help us avoid that situation. Let's go to a case where you really don't have much options. Let's say you're, you're traveling behind a car, you're safe distance and all that. Uh, even if uh, you're going 70 miles an hour, you're eight, nine, 10 car lengths behind. You're, yeah, I mean, you're fine for him. But all of a sudden, he swerves out of the way because he sees a driver you don't see, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a collision. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's hard to say, you know, that... Uh, you know, maybe you follow behind that other car. You you're looking for a way out. You lift, turn, squeeze. You know, it's uh, it's hard to say what what the right answer is for that. You know, I would back up and go. First of all, I'm not following so close to the back end of that car where I can't see what's going on. I'm a three to four second rule guy. You know, I want that gap between myself and the other vehicle in front of us, so I have options. Would you want them to hit on the passenger side if you're going to hit, in other words, turn left and, and hope you, you survive that? Would you try to goose it and, and hope he hits the back end of your car and not you? Yeah, I'd take a glancing blow compared to a head-on blow. You know, that's going to be, it's going to absorb the energy a lot a lot more than that head-on. It's that it's that head-on collision that's going to really get you. Police and put that phone away when you're driving nights and weekends and concentrate on the road. Absolutely. I mean, that's all good advice, but what about the future? Are autonomous cars the answer? They're mentioned a lot, but think more immediate, and the answer could literally be in your hand. In three quarters of a mile, turn left onto Skyline Road. If Siri knows what's coming up... Use the left lane to keep left to merge onto I-30 East. And Siri even knows what lane you are in. Stay in the second lane from the left. Why doesn't Siri give a hand with wrong way drivers? Michael Morris, the head of the North Texas Council of Governments, has this stunning bit of technological news. We're looking at technologies where that cell phone in that car doesn't know it's going the wrong way because of GIS coordinates and other things or DSRC we could put into the freeway system. We have technology on ramps, on some of our ramps, that if you go down that ramp the wrong way, that wrong way sign starts to flash at you, indicating you're going the wrong way. We don't have it on every single ramp in the region. We will now engage General Motors and Ford. If that car knows it's going the wrong way, is there a way we can turn that car off? Is it, is it a communication system back to a traffic control center to, to turn dynamic message signs on? I think that is a too late in the process. By the time all that happens, something bad will have occurred. 
Is it a communication of a vehicle knowing it's going the wrong way, even though the driver doesn't, or the cell phone knows it's going the wrong way, communicating directly into the cars that I'm, you're being approached by a wrong way driver? You know, I'm hearing, well, we, we're not sure if it's a wrong way driver on the frontage road or the main lane. I don't care. If I'm going down the frontage road or a freeway and someone's coming down the frontage road or the freeway in the wrong way, I don't mind getting off. Just, well, Michael, you lucked out. It was on the main lane instead of the frontage road. I don't care. That notion of type 1 and type 2 error when it comes to these principles, I'd rather be safe. So we're looking at, back to your theme on technology, we're looking at early technology applications on whoever can hear this voice on either shutting that car off, pulling it over to the side of the road, or communicating directly to the vehicles that are coming at that vehicle there's a wrong way driver approaching you. If we can get an amber alert automatically ping in our phone, can we have the, the similar wrong way driver pinging our phone as part of that particular process? The destination is on your right. 4131 North Central Expressway. Arrived. That is definitely something to watch for. Thanks, LP. And thanks to all those who talked to us for this eye-opening and potentially life-saving podcast. I'm Susie Solis. Thanks for joining us. And join us again next week for another in-depth look at issues affecting North Texas. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.